ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير يا حي يا قيوم يا جبار يا جبار يا فتاح يا فتاح يا وهاب يا وهاب The beloved uh, brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته May Allah Azza wa Jal accept our coming here again today and may Allah Azza wa Jal make uh, this a means of all of us are my iman your iman being rejuvenated and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our coming here to become a means of Allah's happiness, Allah's pleasure. May He become a means of our faith being strengthened further. And whatever types of uh, questions, difficulties that any one of us is going through, may Allah azza wa allow this dars to become a means of uh, removal of that difficulty. May Allah azza wa allow our dars here uh, to become a means of answering any types of Doubts and situations that any one of us are going through. Amin, Rabbil Alameen. As sincere as you and I are going to be in this, inshallah, uh, we will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let us down. So we just have to be very sincere. Then, Ya Allah, I am going through problems, I'm going through situations. I don't know how to get out of it. And the only one who knows how to get, get, get you and I out of this mess is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should have hope. There's nothing but hope. That you and I have But I just What we need is to have ikhlas We need to be sincere We really need to be Sincere in the fact that You know You want Allah Azza wa Jal That's it If you're not sincere Then you're not gonna get anything You're gonna come empty You're gonna go worse Go out worse than that So if you're sincere Then why will Allah Azza wa Jal Let you and I down So let's all renew our sincerity That Ya Allah Azza wa Jal I'm going through Whatever situation Spiritual, emotional uh, physical, mental, financial And no one has the answer to these things besides you So when you sit with that level of sincerity And you show etiquette A more adab and etiquette we show to Allah Azza wa Jal's kalam to, uh, Then uh, you know, the more a person will uh, be gifted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And as has been commonly said Whoever has achieved anything It is only through etiquette that they've achieved it Whatever people have achieved in the world They've achieved it through etiquette and you can never find someone without etiquette having really gained anything meaningful. Even think about this dunya too. Subhanallah. Hey, right? If you want to get somewhere, if you want to, if someone has got a secret, secret ingredient, someone's got a secret stash of cash, someone's got a secret treasure chest of gold. What do you think? How are you going to get it? By being by being disrespectful? Of course not. Right? Say, hey, you want to give it to me? Give it. If you don't want to give it to me, don't give it. No, no one's going to give it. You have to say, please, my please. I, I am in need of you. I am in need. If you say, oh, I'm very rich. You know that? You have, a gold, you have a treasure chest of nuggets, gold nuggets. I've got more than that. Then he's going to say, get out of here. Why do I need to? Why should I even share with you? You have to say, but I'm faqir, naqir, haqir. I'm nobody. If you don't give me, no one's going to give me anything. I, I, I beg you. We shouldn't be doing this, but I'm just saying. If you were to show that level of genuineness in, in sincerity, you make a begging face, you extend out your hand, you say, I'm nobody. Uh, then, subhanAllah, then the person may soften up and give. So, that's just, that's how this dunya is. 
I've learned this through traveling. When you travel, alhamdulillah, for years traveling from back and forth from South Africa to different countries, this, that. And you know, you realize when you come to the, the one, no matter who you are, that $20 an hour person, $15 an hour person, 1,000 rupees per day person sitting in front at the, behind the counter, they, control, they think they control your destiny. Whether you're going to get on the flight or not. Whether you're going to make it. Everything. It's their hands. And many times they flex their muscles. So if you really want to get on the flight, you just got to be calm and cool and collected. Smile. Say some nice comment. Comment them. That's how you get in. No one has ever gone through arrogance. TSA stops you. Someone else stops you. Gate agent stops you. If you be aggressive, you're not getting anywhere. If you be harsh, yeah, they may be completely wrong. They may be completely biased. They may be completely fanatic. Whatever. Maqsad is I got to get on the flight and get home. I got to get on the flight and get to wherever I need to. So this is just one of many obstacles. And the way to turn, the way you act with this obstacle is humility. Just act humble and you'll get wherever you need to. I have learned this in good ways and hard ways. (laughs) But this is how it works. So just always remain calm and be humble. And this is the way you cut through arrogance is through humility. The more arrogant people are in front of you, the more humble you become, inshallah you will win. And um, uh, you know, as uh, uh, they talk about um, so many examples of this, whoever humbles himself for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Azza wa Jal will elevate his status. So anyway, I was trying to say that in this dunya to to get the work done, you have to be soft and humble. You get things done most of the time easier. That's why Nabi Alayhi Salatu Salam said one hadith, the gist of which is. Mm, that whenever he, kindness is found in anyone, uh, whenever kindness is found in anything or anyone or softness, it only improves its beauty. Softness and kindness, all it does is what? Improves the beauty of someone or something. And whenever someone is deprived of that, rifq, and kindness and softness, it just completely takes away all the beauty. Let's just take some, for the men, take the most beautiful wife. Take the most beautiful lady in the world. She looks at you and swears at you. What happens? All of a sudden, every single beauty of hers is down the drain. Absolute, forget about attraction. Why you see all these people who are divorcing each other? Sometimes you say, well, I don't understand. People say this is Mr. Universe marrying Mrs. Universe. Right? I see the hotel, this is what happens. You would go shopping, before when we used to go shopping, you go in the grocery, now we have, you know, d- delivery. So everything $10 is worth it. If you don't, it's $10 a month, you get everything delivered to your home, just in case you didn't try it. It's totally, is the best thing to do. Saves you from countless hours, going through aisles, wasting time. So anyway, if you see that tabloid, one week ago, you see something, two people getting married. Next month, you go back to that same grocery store, department store, you see again that same two people are on there on the front page of that magazine, but now they're getting divorced. And the guy will say, man, there's no other more beautiful girl than this lady. Why is this guy doing? All the women look at that and say, oh, there's no more beautiful, more handsome, attractive man than this guy. Why is she divorcing him? Because you realize that this, this beauty is really of no use if there's no character and then no softness. There's no softness, no kindness. Everyone will spit you out. That's it. So that's when Nabi Alaihi said one hadith, Whoever has been deprived, whichever home and home has been deprived of softness, they've been deprived of all goodness. Because some homes, unfortunately, every member of the household is harsh, hard, very 
uh, you know, strong, uh, strong uh, you know, uh, their, their tongue is harsh and their mannerisms are not the best. The, enter, the mom is like that, the dad's like that, the kids are like that. So that household is bankrupt, dead, deprived of all goodness. And then you have another household that every single person is just so amicable, so sharif, so down to earth, nice and kind. So that kindness of theirs covers up any and all faults that they have. Because you just can't say much about them when someone is so kind and soft. Even someone is doing something you know, which is wrong, you say, man, how can I say anything to him? He's such a, such a nice guy. Right? That's what they say. So the idea anyway was the fact that this softness and kindness is the way to get things done in this world. You want to get something from someone, do it through that. So imagine with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we, you and I want something from Allah, then being arrogant, being, having a, being arrogant and uh, uptight is not going to get us anywhere. If we want something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it has to be done through humility and humbleness. The more soft we are in front of Allah, the more sincere we are in Allah, the more we cry and shed tears in front of Allah, the more we tremble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can expect that Allah azawajal will give you much, much more. And if a person arrogantly shows up to the masjid, arrogantly prays, arrogantly sits in a dars of Qur'an and dhikr, then he's not going to walk away any, with anything. He'll go, he came in empty, and I said he'll go away worse than that. Why will he go away worse than that? Because when he, was, when he came empty, when he didn't show up, there was always this idea that if I show up to the masjid, my life will change. I don't want to right now. If I show up to a, to a dars, my life might change, but I don't want to right now. But when a person shows up and then doesn't show that level of humility and humbleness, what happens? He gets pushed away by his own actions, and he'll say, I've been there, done that. I've been there, done that. And that wasn't life-changing. So now, there's, anytime he gets invited again, he says, no point in going, because I've already been there. I got nothing out of it. Whose fault is that? That's our own fault. That's our own fault. Our Asatida would say that whenever you go to a gadars or, or never, every day you come to class, say everyone, the tap is running. You've heard this example. Everyone will take away from the class based on what they brought in. You brought in an espresso cup, that's what you'll take away. You brought in an eight ounce cup, that's what you'll take away. You brought in a large size cup, that's what you'll take away. You brought in a two liter bottle, you'll take it away. You brought in a bucket, that's what you'll take away. From the same dars. Everyone is walking away with something completely different. What, what, what does it mean bring in your own uh, utensil, your, your glass? How, what does that mean? That means the more humbleness and humility and sincerity you attend any lesson with, that is what the degree of how much you're going to take away from that. So it's just a reminder for all of us that anytime you sit in any place, just bring not one bucket, many, many large buckets of sincerity and humility and adab. And inshallah ta'ala, what we'll walk away from there is things that we would have never imagined. Teach this to our children, let's do it ourselves, is show the etiquette. Mulana Farhan Sharif give amongst the many amazing, outstanding talks, I would say every single talk this weekend was epic in the retreat, epic. It was groundbreaking, it was beautiful. Um, and I'm not exaggerating in the least. So ask anyone who heard anyone talk, we'll say, that, we'll say about that inshallah. But if you didn't get a chance, the, the list is there, it's all online. Every single day, try to listen to one. Or every, single, every other day, listen to one. If you're you know, on your way to work, on the way back from work, on the way from school, or something like that. And inshallah, you will benefit tremendously. And one of those talks was on etiquette and manners, manners in decline. Just to see where we are supposed to be and where have we uh, fallen to. So inshallah, we hope this reminder will be, will be a benefit to me and all of us. In, in which we increase 
um, our our etiquettes when we are attending these type of gatherings. Amin Rabbil Alameen. This is what we read last week. Let me just read it again. Allah has already decreed that the one who ever takes shaitan as his patron, shaitan indeed will lead him astray in this life. And more so, he shall guide him to the torment of the flaming fire. No one ever came out, no one ever came out friend, no one ever came out in the front by befriending shaitan. Now, many of us be thinking, hey, who amongst us intentionally befriends shaitan? Yeah, of course, the Satanists in their satanic temples do, and many other people out there. But the average Muslim, or the average person you interact with, who says, bye, from today I'm going to be a friend of shaitan? We don't usually hear that. But the Quran is saying that. If you, if you, uh, befriend shaitan then if you make him your friend you make him your patron he will lead you astray so befriending shaitan is going to be attending gatherings in which you know sunnah is not there uh, attending a place where you know shaitanic things are happening sitting with people who you know follow the path of shaitan staying away from people who f- follow the path of the sunnah subhanallah that is what's going to happen. It's, it's pretty surprising that we have, you know, that people, for example, they, there's so much fear of the deen so many times in the eyes of the people. Someone dressed up like any of you sitting here. There will be people literally who will be afraid of that identity and will, be, will not want to say salam. To the extent I have witnessed this many times, I'll be speaking to someone, maybe some of you in this crowd as well, and someone from uh, at an event Another person will walk by, stop the conversation, say hi or salam to the guy I'm speaking to and just literally walk right on. Alright? Because why? We don't want to even get accidentally get caught saying salam to someone. He doesn't know my position as an imam or whatnot. But hey, he's dressed in a certain manner. He's got a beard. He's wearing a turban or whatever the case may be. We don't want to be accidentally even connected with this type of individual. You'll see that. On the other hand, and what, where, they, where do they find enjoyment? When they find enjoyment with people, they don't have the deen in their lives, apparently. Internally, only Allah knows. Apparently also the deen is not there, sunnah is not there. A person enjoys that type of company. There you go. So you don't actually maybe shake hands with the devil. But when you shake hands with the people who, who lead lives according to not the sunnah of Rasulullah but anything else besides that, what has happened? We have become befriended with shaitan. A lot of the uh, social, uh, the uh, of, um, virtual, uh, what you call this nowadays, mo- mobile uh, games, and you know, uh, online games and, and anime cartoons, etc. These things, I presume, are also fall into this. Allah knows best, because when a person goes into these type of uh, 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 games, you will see. There's just today, one of the students was sharing with me some some game that apparently a lot of the girls play, and uh, younger teenager girls. And when I was searching that, you'd notice there's entire YouTube videos by non-Muslim kuffar dedicated to what? Talking about how, what are all the satanic principles in these video games? And what are, the, what are the, the characters of these anime cartoons? What similarities they have with devil worship? And, 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 and the various satans and various types of, uh, you know, um, satanic scripture, I guess, so if you want to call it that. These are non-Muslims. Bichara, non-Muslims writing this. That this is too much. These most famous games, they are satanic. 
You talk about some of the uh, fashion brands. Someone brought to my attention some of the most famous, famous, famous most expensive uh, fashion brands. Eighteen, twenty thousand dollars for a handbag. You know, five, ten thousand dollars for a pair of jeans. Those type of things. And you look into the name as he was highlighting how the name itself is so satanic. And then you look at the ads. Oh my lord, nothing. You know, you nothing is happens. Um, Coincidentally, everything in these ads, in these videos, all is pre-planned. And imagine, subhanAllah, uh, how all of this is being pre-planned. The latest LGBTQ brother, is yesterday, game over. We move on to the next thing. Many people have already alerted this fact. And I just came to know that this is being pushed down in the latest anime cartoons, being pushed down in the latest mobile video games. And that's pedophilia. Right? This is where we're headed now. Uh, the, you know, and so th- this is part of the whole grand agenda. We're not gonna, they're not going to stop there too. But definitely that's where we're headed for sure right now. And part of the ads of these expensive uh, fashion dr- designs as well, you'll see that they're using very inappropriate little children for their ads, dressed in very uh, hypersexualized manner. Subhanallah. And people are running towards that. So nothing happens accidentally. When someone, uh, someone uh, raises a, 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 you know, their voice about it, then they'll come up with some apology. Oh, we have nothing to do with the uh, marketing company. It was their fault. But no, what are you talking about? That was a million dollar shoot. Every single thing is pre-planned. Don't say that was all unplanned. Okay? Every single thing. So you'll see this is happening right now in our society. When a person goes in this direction of certain fashion, of many of these famous fashion brands, designer wear, and as well as these video games and anime cartoons and, and a mobile, mobile, mobile video games, you'll see so much of what's happening behind the scenes subconsciously is pushing down what we call shaitaniyat. Literally, it's not even hiding the, 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 the theme of these games. It's about the devil. Now, people will sit there and laugh. A lot of people on, on, on other forums will say, oh, come on, please don't, don't, don't what you call, don't look into things that are not there. Okay, that's, that's part of the whole devil's, you think that, you've heard me say this before, the biggest trick the devil played upon us is to make us believe he doesn't exist. That's it. Anyone who says, oh, please, man, everywhere shaitan, everywhere this, yeah, that's it, you're falling into fitna. You have fallen into the deception. His main effort is to make sure to come, that's what khannas means, right? Waswasil khannas comes and stings you and runs away. Khannas is the one who stings you and runs away. If you could grab him and you could see him, then there would be no test. The fact that shaitan is with me and with all of you, doing all kinds of horrible things every day from morning to evening to the day, he's already messed with us so many times. But we can't choke him. We can't hold him. You just feel down. You don't want to pray for salah. You don't want to wake up for fajr. You feel upset. You're arguing with your spouse. You feel upset. You're getting mad at your kids. Your kids are getting mad at you. Your kids are not reading Quran. What's this? This is the nafs and the shaitan, but can you pin, point, point at it? You can't. That's, just, that's why this is the whole imtihan. The whole imtihan. So these, you, need, you and I need to be careful. Where is the shaitaniyat coming from? You stay away from that. Because if you go befriend the shaitan, and you make him as a patron, and in my opinion, and my, my weak understanding of this issue, is 20, 15 hours, 10 hours, 8 hours of addiction to, to uh, video, mobile video games, and normal video games. It's not when I used to... The last time I played computer games in 1998. Before I went to South Africa. That was it. It was good. It was nice for to play. But the, the innocence is gone now. There's nothing innocent anymore. Every single shooting game... I mean, I, mean, I ask the students. They tell me this. I'm like, what's, what's the latest on this? What's the latest on that? And when they tell me these things, it's horrible, man. 
It's terrible. So as dads and moms, we might be thinking, oh, it's just a game. It's just anime. It's just cartoon. No, nothing is just right now. If you even, you know, there's a, there were Sunday morning cartoons and Saturday morning cartoons. When we were growing up, we used to have the cartoons used to come with the, which are the, the, with the paper, Sunday paper. We used to sit there and read those. That was, those were, subhanAllah, good old times. There was nothing dirty about it. A single thing, you could go for weeks and months, there would be nothing wrong with that. Those of you who read it, you remember. There was absolutely no, uh, you know, a suggestion to any type of, of, of fuhsh in there. Clean. Find us a late night comedy, a comedian who can give a clean joke today. Find us any comedian who is out there popular who can give you a clean joke. Find us a car. That 4 p.m. cartoons that people used to come back from school, kids used to come and they used to watch while their moms and dads were at you know, work or they were making the meals. They used to be innocent. Nothing is innocent. I promise you, if you're at a doctor's office or a gym, 4 p.m., just watch what's on, what's on, on TV. And you're like, seriously? You show this type of stuff at, at 4 p.m. to kids who come from kindergarten, from third grade, fourth grade? Exactly. Most of you probably haven't seen that. So if you see it, you'll be shocked at how horrible this stuff is. This is all wilaya. When, you, when we, you and I put our kids in front of these phones, when you, put, you and I put our kids in front of those TVs and say, go ahead, watch all these cartoons, watch all this anime, watch all of these, play all these video games. This, what's happening? You're making them, I don't have time to take care of you. You by please shaitan, take care of my kid. We'll see you in a little bit. Uh, when dinner is ready, we'll call you. And then, you won't, you'll, then while dinner is ready, while dinner is being fed, they're also playing and watching this nonsense. How many homes? How many homes today that know that kids cannot eat without watching something? They're not sitting there watching some recitation of Surah Al-Kahf or some tafsir or some vicar. It is usually all these other demonic things. So these cartoons are not innocent anymore. Understand that. And yeah, people can say what they want. But the fact that non-Muslims are speaking about it should wake you up, your ghayrah, to say, what is going on? If you, fo- if you start searching for things, looking for things, you're not going that you have to be on a lookout guys Allah Allah is the most obvious of things if you look for him and if you don't look for him he's the most hidden of things you will never find him similarly shaitan if your eyes are trained to look for shaitan you'll find him you'll see where he is by his actions but if you're out there in denial he'll be right in front of you mesmerizing you and you won't even know he exists and so get ready, you hear, get ready to train yourself. The days coming in front of us are going to be very tough. They're, you thought it was tough? Uh-uh. Every week is tougher than the previous one. And I warn you, the way this AI is going, it's going to make things, if the Dajjal was supposed to come in a thousand years, it seems like it'll bring it in a hundred or fifty. It is crazy. What, what is the fact that again, non-Muslims are so scared. Today as well, there was, a, there was an article that there was a conference in Europe where they're saying that the AI could speed up our extinction, right? The humanity could be literally just die out of that. What these non-Muslims who are, who, are, who, are, who are behind this, they realize the potential of harm in this. One of the things that scares me so much of AI is how you can take any... Right now they're saying very soon, they will be almost so difficult, the internet will be flooded with absolutely everything fake. Fake names, fake voices, fake bayans, fake lectures, fake fatwas. The person look like me, speak like me, sound like me, have the same mannerisms, giving a full talk. 100% opposite, 100% opposite of what you heard 10 years ago. Oh, I guess the sheikh has changed his opinion on these things. If he's saying it, what's the big deal, man? He's the one who used to stop us from all these things before. Now he himself is saying, this is what you got to do. So what's an average person going to do at that time? 
If you don't have the nur of iman to say, I don't care which mufti says what. I don't care who says what. This is the truth. I don't care who says what. Don't even give me all these fatwas. I don't need to hear. Delete it. That's the level of unshakable iman you have to have. That you can say, Jibreel Amin comes and says something. I don't care. This is the truth. Jibreel Amin, by the way, is not coming back. Wahi ended. So if someone says he's Jibreel, someone says he's a reincarnation of a prophet, reincarnation of someone, this all jute lies. Someone said this mufti changes opinion. We don't care. The mufti is not Allah and his Rasul. Anyone can say anything. Well, get, you have to train your mind to be able to, number one, distinguish between right and wrong. And number two, to say, I don't care if the whole world says one thing. The truth that I knew will always, truth will never change. Truth will never change. Is that easy? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's very, very, very difficult. Slowly I'm coming to understand why Rasulullah warned us about Dajjal so much. Why he told us it's going to be so difficult. Because all around us, falsehood will be in the form of virtue and correctness. And people will not know whose opinion to take. And it's, it's right now, Twitter battles are happening every single day. Facebook battles are happening every day. I remember in Pakistan, when I was studying there for that one year, one rickshaw driver one day said, Long ago, a rickshaw driver told me in Pakistan, he says, what am I supposed to do? I'm an average man. At every intersection, you got four different masjids, four different imams, four different viewpoints, and they're, pouring, they're shouting on the, through the loudspeakers different things. What does a man like me got to do? Well, now it's not about the four loudspeakers at the intersection. You have billions and millions of people being manipulated online through this very loudspeaker system called Facebook and, and Twitter and everything else in between. So if you go try to read that, my beloved brothers and sisters, dear friends, you will be one very confused person. Do not read those places. Don't go there to read for about your deen. I promise you, you'll walk away completely disconnected, confused, and upset. Because you don't know where to go. And as the time moves forward, this is going to continue to happen. I warn you. I just saw what's happening. In, I studied in Africa. Africa was different when I studied and what it is now. It's a mess. It's going towards utter destruction because of infighting and because of mis, mis, misreading, mismanagement. What, not misreading. Misre, misreading different texts. Oh, you said that? Oh, you probably were meant that. No, he didn't mean that. Why don't we just cross the aisle and go talk to him? What did you mean? So that's not happening. Shaitan is fully at the height of crying, trying to create division within the ummah. Creating division between people of knowledge. And who's going to pay the price? Everyone. So you and I have to have this mindset from beforehand that our enemy is not a specific scholar. Our enemy is not a specific imam. Our enemy is not a specific, uh, you know, this one, a book or whatever. Our enemy is shaitan. And he will not leave until he creates dissension amongst us. Even the people who are following Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, even those who are trying to follow the, the, the true uh, understanding of the uh, uh, traditional understanding of the deen, you will see Shaitan says, Ah, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to cause misunderstandings, mishaps, miscommunication, and cause a big ruckus, and, and everyone's going to suffer. So, this is the time to have clarity. To understand the workings of shaitan. I promise you, please take me seriously. Otherwise you will take sides and you will lose. The era of the fitna between the sahaba is similar. That it was such a... When Nabi Wasallam, what did he say? So many of the companions, he said, just don't get involved. Right? Hold on to what the, my eye left and the khulafa left. When the fitna come, 
you know, be careful. And so similarly, a lot of fitnas are about to come, are already here and every day it's increasing. And, and the average person, if you do not solidify yourself in saying, I need to connect myself with Allah and I need to ensure that I prepare for my grave. I'm not, don't try to be a savior of the world and jump on some boat speaking and bashing and retweeting and criticizing. Bakwas. This is all bakwas. This is really, it's, not, it's of no benefit. Worry about your tahajjud. Worry about your fajr. Worry about your lowering of your gaze. Worry about how much Quran you recited today. Worry about your kids tilawat of the Quran. Worry about how your daughters and sons are dressing. Worry about their cell phone usage. What's going on in your home? Forget the world right now. Every man needs to be worried about his own home. In the, in the name of being an a, a internet warrior, a Twitter warrior, we're losing our own kids. Giving all sorts of retweeting and, and engaging. And what happens? SubhanAllah, our own kids don't know any deen. And they're just sitting there addicted to their phones, addicted to their games. And we think innocently, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. No. That is our foolishness thinking that there's nothing wrong with this. This is all part of the distraction game. You distract us through these discussions. In the meantime, he comes and snatches our kids out of our home. I hope we understand what is being said over here. Ask Allah Azza wa Faham, deep understanding of this. But this is something we have to repeat again and again. The ghayb, the unseen. Speak about Allah, speak about the Prophet speak about the Sahaba, speak about the angels. Focus on what's important. Speak about Jannah, speak about Jahannam. Every single retweet, ask yourself, how is it going to help my akhirah? If you really care about someone, go and speak to him. Try to sit down. Because today, no one's listening to the deen, by the way, through these... Uh, no, one's, no one's life is changing through some tweet. The lives change through one-on-one relationships. Look at all these brothers who came here to this retreat. I asked them, I said, SubhanAllah, was there any promo video made for this? I said, can you make a promo? To, honest to God, can you make a promo video to, exp, to express the, the, the ruhaniyat that you got in the retreat? The ruhaniyat that you get from a one-year program? No, you can't. You have to experience it. Just come. That's what you should focus on. Get people into the masjid. Get people into the programs. Get people. We don't need to bash others. We don't need to say this is right or wrong. Get people connected to the ilm. Get them connected to the ulama. Get them to the house of Allah Azza wa Get them to give up those things which are unanimously haram. Get them to give up riba. Get them to give up music. Get them to give up watching haram. That is a huge achievement. And if, if we don't do that, then this is, what, this is where I was talking about here. That whoever chooses to make shaitan a patron, then guess what? He will, his job is to take you to hell with him. That's exactly what he's going to do. May Allah protect us. Ya yuhannas, O humankind, in kuntum fi min al If you're in doubt about the ultimate rising on the day of resurrection, if you have any doubt, then know that indeed, we want you to learn, go through the cycle of embryology, study some embryology, and figure out how, uh, um, how, we, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal has created us and how Allah Azza wa Jal will bring us back to life. فَإِنَّا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ مِنْ تُرَابٍ Allah Azza wa says, Indeed, He has created you. خَلَقْنَاكُمْ We have created you from dust. ثُمَّ Originally from dust. Okay. Turab, there's so many different explanations of this. Naturally, one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salatu salam himself from dust. So that's why He's been called that. Um, he's created you, he created Adam alayhi salatu salam from uh, dust. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you from dust means 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you from money, from sperm, which comes from uh, which comes through eating food. Where is that going to come from? From a human body, from a male human body who, who gets nutrition. Where does that nutrition come from? From the ground. All our nutrition comes actually from the earth. So in reality, we've actually all been, even not only Adam as coming from the earth, but we all have come from the earth because if it wasn't for the nutrition, that sperm drop would not have been created, we would not have come. And then even till now, we would not be able to exist without constantly be getting food from the ground. And other explanations. Thumma and then, then from a clinging clot. Then from a morsel-like lump. That morsel-like lump destined to be either fully formed or left unformed. So sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends that there be a miscarriage. Many times there's a, basically when there's a deformity, miscarriage, Allah Azza wa Jalla automatically makes it happen. Right? And some deformity, some problem, it was not going to survive, it was not meant to, it was not going to be a healthy baby. A deformity happens, or it was meant to happen, khalas, alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa Jal expels that. But then there are some times that the baby does get formed, and actually the child is born with a deformity. Not a norm, it's an abnormal case. What is that? Because this dunya we have to live between Hope and fear. If there's only hope, yani if there's no sense of everything is set, autopilot, everything is set to go, then no one will repent, no one will be afraid, no one will be making dua, no one will be crying, Ya Allah, I, I, we, we're expecting a child, Ya Allah, please make it healthy. All those duas that we make, all those tahajjud duas, all those haram duas, all of those this and that, everyone does. Why? Because they want a healthy child. Imagine if everything was destined to be 100% healthy, then where would be the duas? Allah Azza wa Jalla wants us to live between hope and fear. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to live between sabr and shukr. That if you have a healthy baby, make shukr. And if it's, it's an unhealthy baby, then you have to make sabr. And in that sabr, you'll get rewards that maybe you would have never gotten if you had a healthy baby. Right? Because sabr is an amazing door. We don't ask, we don't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter us through sabr. But it's like, you know, you have two doors to the airplane, A350, or one of these big jets. Multiple. You got one lower deck, one upper deck. One business class and one economy class. And you go, and you go right or left. The two doors, right? But if they tell you to go in one direction to the business class one, obviously the place you land up is way better than the one. There was just right there. The other door was right next door. Completely different. There you go. There's a bab of sabr and the bab of shukr. That door of sabr is just what, it, what, you, end on the, what you end up with on the other side when you, when you remain patient is unbelievable. Allah subhanahu wa gives the people of patience unbelievable full reward without any accounting without counting Allah gives them without counting me angels can't even figure out what's going on this is too much our, our computers have failed the angels also they feel baffled by the amount of ajr being given to those who are patient when they are tested so a healthy baby is an opportunity for shukr a disabled baby or a baby who is sick is an opportunity for sabr and interestingly, there is a hadith from uh, Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mentions that, uh, let's see here. Ma min kullil ma'i yakun al walad. Alright? That not, not every single. Um, Every single from not a, a child will not necessarily be born from every single water, meaning not every single 
uh, act of intimacy will lead to a child right this is what nabi alayhi salatu wasallam has said and then some do some don't etc and then nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said uh, uh, there is another hadith that's mentioned by abdullah masud radiyallahu anhu in fathul bari idha waqa'at nutfatu fi raham when uh, the, uh, the sperm lands into the the the, the um, Womb, ba'ath Allahu malakan, Allah sends an angel. Faqala ya rabbi, and he says, Ya rabbi, oh my rabb, muhallaka o ghir muhallaka. Oh Allah, should this be uh, something that is actually formed or left unformed? Should this end up being a, a, a formed, fully formed child that's born or not? Fa'in qala Allahu azza wa jal, ghaira muhallaka, majjatha al arhamu daman, fakana al mahir. If Allah tells the angel, no, this is meant to not be created, not to remain formed, but rather become unformed, then the womb pushes it out in the form of blood, and this is what happens in the cycle. This is what Abdullah Masood's statement narrated in, in Fathul Bari. SubhanAllah, you'll see so many beautiful aspects of what we learn today about this whole process of, uh, of the formation of the t- child. How Allah Rasulullah has spoken about, about this in so many different ways. Um, so there's one another hadith of um, Sahih Muslim. Or, this is a miracle. Narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Okay? When 42, uh, when 42 days pass by, I need seven weeks. Seven weeks. Right? Six times seven, 42. If 40 nights when 40 nights pass by, Allah sends an angel to the, the womb. takes that drop and that has formed into what it is now. Sawara gives it a shape and form. Meaning before that you will never be able to know the gender. Fasawara at that time, at 42 nights, the Allah Azza sends that angel and makes makes it into a shape and form. Allah creates the ability for it to hear, forms its ears, forms its eyes, its skin, its its flesh, and its bones. Then the angel says, Oh Allah, male or female. This is what the hadith is saying. This is something that you have to have yaqeen. You cannot listen to the news outside. You can't listen to, just listen to 5 million, what you call 5,000 years of of human experience, 10,000 years of human experience or more. And listen to the hadith. What happens? Right in the womb. Adhakarun am untha. Ya Allah, is this supposed to be a male or a female? The Quran says that. You can't mess with that. He created you from a male and a female. Okay? And he's created you in males and females as well. Both from a male and a female and in male and female. Yani, it's not just Adam and Hawa were originally male and female and after that we got 20 other types. It's always there the same. And then, now at that time, imagine that. Ya Rabbi, Muntha, Fayakdi Rabbuka Masha. Then Allah wills whatever He wishes, الملك, and then the angel writes. You know, that now this, is, this needs to go in this department, this needs to become a male, or this needs to become a female. So this is one of the amazing mu'ajizat and the miracles of Rasulullah how long before any of these latest methods of studying uh, the, 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 the science behind the formation of a child, how Nabi Alaihi said that. And in reality, what does science? What is science? It is it is an attempt to understand the qudra of Allah. That's what it is. It is we, science is not against Deen. Science is not against Islam. Islam is not against science. Science is your effort to figure out what did Allah do? How did He do it? 
you and I may never understand the reality of it, but at least what? Like you can see, when I turn on the light over there, switch on, mashallah, immediately light turns on here. So you say, how does this happen? How does this happen? So you go and you open up that switch and you start seeing, where did this go? Where is this wire coming from? Where is the wire going through? How, where is the conduits? How does it all work? That's what science is. Science is not the actual one that turns the light on. It's the electricity that turns the light on when you press the button. That's the qudra and the amr of Allah. We cannot say science created things. Science is just a way of ikhtishaf. Science is just a way of figuring out how Allah does what He does. And we're supposed to do that. What's the purpose? Because you should become more impressed with Allah. You should become overwhelmed with Allah's awe. That's why so much of the Qur'an speaks about nature. Ponder, think, look, visit, travel, study. Why is all that mentioned? The purpose of it is for us to become educated Muslims, not to then become atheists, but and to say that no, there is no, there is no intelligent design. But rather, to study all of this and then to come to this conclusion that actually, subhanAllah, ma khalaqta hadha, batila. Oh Allah, you could have definitely not created this in vain. Not only did you create it, but you also created it with a purpose. There was an actual purpose behind everything that's there. SubhanAllah. Now it is a beautiful night to go stargazing, to go look at the, the, the blooming flowers, to go see the lush green uh, forest, to go see the streams. And you look at all of that, you spend time with that, it will create humility within us. It will create the awe and the appreciation of nature and thereby, inshallah, create the awe and appreciation of the creator of nature. Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah says, in this way we do make clear to you the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creative might. All these stages are telling you that how powerful Allah Azza wa Jal is. Thus we do cause to settle in the wombs of their mothers. Manasha, whatever unborns, ila ajli musamma for a stated term, manasha, what we so will. So we cause to settle in the wombs of their mothers, whatever unborns we so will for a stated term. Meaning, um, exactly when is that when is the uh, formation happening and when in which in which instance it's not happening this is in the hands of Allah sometimes it happens very quickly sometimes it doesn't uh, sometimes it takes many tries sometimes it takes years sometimes it never meant to happen it will never happen as Allah says Allah grants daughters whoever he wishes again male and female he grants men to uh, he grants male to whoever he wishes and then he doesn't say he grants a third thing he says oh, and then he gives some of them males and females and whoever he wishes he makes them barren Males are not like females. If you just think about how many places Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned male and female in the Quran. And then to think how does someone has the audacity to, to really distort all of these verses of the Quran. Not only go against logic, go against past human experience, but go against the Quran itself and come up with all different things. And then be accepted, promoted, and cherished and prided by society. That is the world you and I are living in. When I tell you we're going in a crazy world, understand that. The fact that we have to sit there and speak like you know, 30 years ago, people would say, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Is this something to even address? What are you talking about? But today we have whole seminars, workshops, talks. Some Urdu speaking ulama will reach out to me and say, can you explain this? What did these things even stand for? Because we're being asked, you know, can you explain it? Because maybe in, there's not too many talks in Urdu yet on this. But subhanAllah, think about this. Like, why are we so like, focused on this? And why it's not happening in other languages, right? The fitna started in this. 
Even in those countries where Urdu is spoken, the fitna is happening, but it's amongst the English-speaking crowd. It's a really big mess. But it just tells you that how the power of Allah has given to these shayateen al-insi wal-jinn, they can take very unambiguous, clear ayats of the Qur'an and our entire human experience and, and change it up. And you and I sit there and become confused. What's going on? No, my brothers, we cannot get confused. We have to remain steadfast. The, nur, the Qur'an is very clear. The Qur'an is very clear. If it's not clear to you, ask Allah for nur. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow you to see. أَفَمَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ فَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّن رَبِّي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, can, can you compare the one, شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ Islam, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up his, his bosom, his chest for Islam. فَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّن رَبِّي He's leading his life under the nur of his Lord. It's literally like the light, it's darkness, and Allah turns on the light, and you're just walking in it. That's what you and I need. We need the nur of Allah. If you, once you have the nur of Allah, you won't look right and left. You will never be confused. The reason why anyone gets confused is they've become blinded or rather the lights have been shut for them. So if you feel like right now you're confused about any of these obvious things, my answer to you is ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with humility and sincerity that I spoke about at the beginning. And say, Allah, Allah iman. Allah, please give me the nur of iman. My friends, again, if you're not sincere, you won't be able to ask this dua sincerely. Ajib, right? Like, people just don't get it. Today is not the issue of knowledge. It's the issue, it's a spiritual disease. All these issues of people leaving Islam and changing their gender and, 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 and everything else. It's not the issue of they don't, have, they don't know what's right or wrong. They got confused. Vast majority of these people actually have a spiritual crisis they're going through. It's shaitaniyat that they're going through. And if you repel that shaitaniyah through sunnah, through the dhikr of Allah, through dua, inshallah, it will click. But as long as that veil, a shaitanic veil, demonic veil is over their eyes, you can take them for the umrah, and you can take them for tawaf, you can take them for hajj, they're not gonna see anything. It's a waste of time. I actually totally uh, disc- discourage you to do that. Don't take anyone for umrah and hajj unless they're dying to go. Unless they wanna go. Seriously, because you'll end up harming yourself even more. You cannot, that's not a place to show your arrogance to Allah. You must be humble before you go. You must be willing to change. Then inshallah, you, one sight of the Kaaba will change your life. But just because your mom and dad is forcing you, or your spouse is forcing you, your kids are forcing you, you go there, instead of benefiting, you'll end up coming back more damned than ever before. That's why they say, Hajjul Aswad, the black stone, he has a tongue. Allah on the day of judgment will give it a tongue to speak. And it will testify regarding every single person who kissed it. But the, they say the, the, the Hajj al-Aswad is like a stamp. If you go to the Hajj al-Aswad before, if you go to the Hajj al-Aswad with a clean heart after having repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you get stamped, sealed with that clean heart. And if you go to the Hajj al-Aswad with a dirty, filthy heart, not having sought forgiveness from Allah, filled with arrogance, filled with doubt, then you get stamped with all that nonsense inside you. And that, that Hajar Aswad is going to be a bear witness that, Ya Allah, this person came with a filthy, dirty heart, full of arrogance, and he kissed me. And this, this is what's happening. So that's why it's so important that we don't do that. Clean, clean our hearts. All those fathers who are noticing their kids, their sons and daughters, and you if you're sitting here, you're also going through a crisis, or your siblings are going through a crisis, you don't need some you know, long lecture. What you need is dhikr. You need the love of Allah to be inspired into your heart. 
reading verses of the Quran with the niyyah of shifa. Again, someone reads, oh, I'll read Yasin, I'll read Manzil, I'll read Ayatul Kursi, and he laughs. He's watching a video while reading it. It's not going to get him any good. No good. It's like a kafir, an Arab, Arab Christian reads Ayatul Kursi. What's he going to get out of it? What's he going to get out of it if he's making fun of it, just reading Arabic? Nothing. You're not going to get anything. You have to read it with the intention that, Ya Allah, I need help. Then, inshallah, even one, one majlis, one sitting will be sufficient. So, fathers and mothers, and elders and older brothers and sisters, if you notice something in your youngers, youngsters at home, some type of deviation, some type of what we call, you know, uh, 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 in Urdu we say bizargi. Right? You're just simply not interested in the deen. Ah, come on, man. Not another talk. Not another Quranic recitation. Not another trip to the masjid. And he, will, he or she wasn't like that before. This is red flag for you. You got to do something about that. Don't just force him to attend some class. Because he's going to sit there and waste his time and he's going to be sitting there grudging every single moment he sat in a class. Instead, understand he is sick, spiritually sick and he needs help. And that spiritual sickness will have to come and you have to sit down and speak to someone to just acknowledge that, okay, you know what? I'm going through a spiritual crisis. Just acknowledge that. I, don't, I hate the state of affairs of my spirituality right now. I'm willing to change. You tell me what I need to do. Do I really need to sit through a two-hour class? Okay, no, I don't need to. Okay, fine. Then what do I need to do? And those ulama will tell you what you need to do. And from amongst those things are reading these athkar. This during the guarding the gaze talk that I gave over the retreat. Over the retreat. Um, we only had one slide. It's online. You can listen to the one and a half hour talk. There's only one slide. I put the sevens on it. Why exactly am I saying that to you? It's because the people already know they're supposed to guard the gaze. People already know they're supposed to go to the masjid. People already know they're supposed to believe in Allah. After been there, going to Islamic school, going to Hiv school, going to Muslim school, going to masjid all their lives, father and mother being active board members of the masjid, etc., etc. Why are people turning away? It's not the lack of knowledge. It's those veils of shaitan on the heart. And to be able to destroy that, you need to do dhikr. That's why I put that on the, on, on the board. Every father who's worried about his son and daughter, that's what I'm telling them. Sit down, as a family start doing dhikr. As a family read these ayats of the Qur'an. That or something similar to that, that you get from a scholar. Read that and say, okay, I don't want to pray. I don't want to cover my hair. I don't want to dress appropriately. Okay, no problem. You don't want to do all that? No problem. I'm not going to fight over that. But let's just do this. Let's sit down and why don't you just be sincere and say, Ya Allah, whatever I'm going through, I, 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 I just don't feel like doing anything my mom and dad tell me to do. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm having issues with believing anything and everything that I've been told to believe so far or used to believe before. All I'm going to do is, is, is 20 minutes a day, I'm going to sit and read these ayats of the Quran in the manner that's been shown to me. And I'll give it a try. Just have that aspect. Give like, okay, khalas. What if it works? Say, inshallah, give, you know, jarribillah, as they say. Give, give Allah a try. You've tried everything else. Give Allah azza wa jalla a try and say, Allah, you know what? I'll give a shot at this. I've tried other things, nothing works. Let me read this with the niyyah of removing these veils from my heart. And if that, but that requires what? Humility. Just gotta just say it. Just, just be humble. If you can just be that humble, alhamdulillah, Gabriel. I have seen people, mashallah, come back to Islam after leaving Islam. But one common thread in all the people I know came back was humility. When I, long ago, you know, I've been speaking about this and seeing this from 2005, 4 since I came back. Now we're 20 years later. Now people are talking about this. But when I used to speak, when I asked some of those people who left the deen and mashallah came back, I told them, boys, what, like, what, 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 give me one reason, the real reason why you think left is, you left Islam for so many years. Alhamdulillah, they're honest. It was arrogance. We just thought we knew it all. We thought we were enlightened, more enlightened than our parents and our teachers and everything else. 
Arrogance, man. That's what got shaitan into where he is and will, he will remain there forever because of arrogance. He knows Quran more than you and I. Don't you think so? He knows everything more than you and I. Everything. All of us in our seven generations before us and the seven generations to come. In every library. He knows it. Why can he not simply say La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and make tawbah right now? He knows it. If you were to make tawbah, he'd go to Jannah. Right now. Everything is done and the past will be forgiven. Why? That's that arrogance, man. Arrogance damns you. Arrogance is the worst thing. Especially arrogance in front of Allah. So I implore you, if you're going through doubts, you know someone is going through doubts, or you know someone who's actually left Islam, tell them for, for Allah's sake, just be, just be humble for three weeks. Give me three weeks. Give me three weeks, and if, I, if you can give me 40 days, that would even be better. But if you can't give me four, six weeks, then give me at least three weeks. And in these three weeks, just sit there for 25 minutes a day, and read those, those verses of the Qur'an. Ayatul Kursi, Surah Fatiha, Qul Adul Falaq, Qul Adul that have been, you know, I always mention. Use that. Or another method that a, a reputable scholar gives you. 30 minutes, let's just do that. After that, do whatever you want. But I want to continue to do XYZ sin. Okay, khalas. Allah will guide you from that. Right now we got bigger issues. The sin is not the biggest issue right now. What's the biggest issue? The biggest issue is your disbelief. The biggest issue is the shaking of your foundations of your faith. That is the biggest issue right now. That has to be conquered, my friends. And the earlier you get at it, the better. I've had fathers come to me with fifth grade girls, sixth grade girls, eighth grade girls, or boys too. But a lot of this is happening in girls too. A lot. That little princess today, unfortunately, is becoming something, is becoming a little witch. Right? And uh, sorry to say that. What I mean by witch, because kufr, kufr is the worst possible thing. There's nothing worse than kufr. Disbelief in Allah is the biggest zulm. To disbelieve in God is the biggest type and form of oppression, man. If you, your dad gave you a brand new car keys to a $60,000 car at your 16th birthday, and Allah forbid you spit at him, and you say, I hate you, you'd say, that's horrible. What about the one who created your dad for you, your mom for you, put your love into their hearts in the first place, gave you your eyes and feet that you used to, to move around, gave, gave you your intellect which you used to do everything, gave you the tongue which you used to speak, and then to say God doesn't exist? What type of oppression could be greater than that? And so we have dads who are noticing this type of deviation within their young girls. Alhamdulillah, a stitch in time saves nine. If you quickly, seventh grader, eighth grader, fifth grader, you see this stuff, start treatment. The earlier you start treatment, there's a chance of survival. You wait it, you wait it out till say, Abi Bachihe, Chodi Bachihe, it's a little girl, she doesn't wear her scarf, she wants to wear her inappropriate dress. The guy, it's a little kid, man, it's fine. No, no, no. You, this is not fine. This is not Medina during the era of the Prophet He'll go to the masjid, the Rasul will look at him, he'll change. No, my friend. There's no Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi here anymore. There's no Medina era anymore. We're in a, in a, we are in the Darul Kufr, not just the Darul Kufr, Alamul Kufr. Even Darul Islam is Darul Kufr, man. Even the, what Darul Islam are you going to tell me out, exists out there? Where internet is not there. Where all these horrible movements are not having a full-fledged effect. The, 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 the players are playing behind the scenes. That you can, you can be happy with your little flag. You can celebrate your Independence Day. But I promise you, no one's independent. No country is independent. No community is independent. Everyone's enslaved to his big system. And it's only gonna get more. Wallahi, just read what the non-Muslims are talking about AI. Just today. This enslavement, worldwide enslavement to a system. Imagine the kuffar are saying this. That we're scared that this is going to create a mass level of enslavement. Science fiction stories and movies used to talk about this before. And we're seeing this happening in front of our own eyes. They're saying this. That it could become so powerful that it could become godlike. And that it will create its own religion. Demand its own rules and people will have to follow. Allahu Akbar. Just, I wish we could like copy paste these and keep them and put on our fridge. But the non-Muslims are behind this technology are warning us.
This is where, this is where exactly AI and Dajjal will meet. The future of AI, whatever that's going to be called. So subhanAllah, we don't, have, we don't have time. You see some sort of deviation in a little kid, don't take it, do not take it lightly. Any type of, of you know, disrespect to the deen. And what I just used the word, what's a good word for bizarre in English? Huh? Huh? Bizarre? What do you say? What's a good, what's... Yeah, being fed up, being irritated, irritable, what else? Agitated, good. Yeah, exactly. Agitated. Oh, please, man, enough of that. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to go there. Anything agitated with the sha'ir of Islam, the symbols of Islam. Agitated from all of that, that's a very big sign of problem. And alhamdulillah, the solution also lies in the deen. Just by sitting down and saying, okay, let me make a deal with you. You don't want to do stuff? Fine. But just sit down, let's half hour, let's read these adhkar together. But you got to promise me that you'll be sincere. Now if he lies to you or she lies to you on that, well, you know, as a dad, mom, there's only so much you can do. But you got to get them to that level. Get them to that level. And I'm telling you because I see every home. I see people walking in the masjid. I tell you, this is just kind of how I am. I'm dealing with this for so many years. I look at a kid, I'm like, boy, infected. Right? It's, and the father is walking around with the infected kid not even knowing that. You want, I don't need to have a shake hand. I'm not being, I'm just being honest because you deal with so many cases. You can just look in the eye. The way they look at you, you know, khalas, this, this guy is stage three. That's it. Oh, please make dua. No, what dua? No, not dua. What dua? You got to do something about it. You got to do something about it. Where are you going in summer? We're going to Hawaii. Where are you going in summer? We're going to Turkey. We're going to Fulan, vacation. This is, forget your vacations. Forget your vacations. Do, would you, any one of you, want your sperm, your body, something, your, your flesh and blood going to Jahannam forever? That's exactly what I, that's why I'm emphasizing this point. Everywhere I see this happening, dads and moms have no idea they're walking around with little atheists in their hands. Ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders. You just look at them. You can see there's this aversion from deen, aversion from dhikr, aversion from dua, aversion from the Quran, aversion from gatherings of deen. What is that? How can you think that iman and aversion from iman, aversion from the masjid could be together in one heart? This is heightened level of shaitaniyat. So as moms and dads, focus please, understand what you're dealing with. Don't think, oh I used to be like this too. No, you're a different, from a different era. You never ever felt this what your son and daughter is going through. And in one sense, I'm telling you, it's not even his fault. He just, you know, he's going through a phase. But that phase is not, if you don't take care of it right now, that phase will become his life. That phase will become like his life. It's, and the, the type just like the, uh, the technology has advanced, the shaitanic methods of deceiving people have also been advanced now. The previous shayateen would probably work on us to simply make us miss our fajr. Make us, uh, you know, look at someone who shouldn't. Make us smoke. Today, it's no, no. We're not, he's not happy. Iblis is not happy with that stuff. Nothing less than kufr. I need to make you an atheist or a satanist. That's it. Nothing less than that. And how it, the shamelessness of it, not even starting off in college or post-grad degrees or whatnot. No, no, no. We're going to get you in sixth grade while you're still attending Islamic school. All these youth who are sitting here know exactly what I'm talking about. Fifth graders, fourth graders saying, I'm not sure about Islam. I'm not sure about this verse of the Quran. I have a hard time believing this. Islam is misogynist. Islam is against women. Islam is against Fulan. This, that. Who's saying this? Not some PhD in philosophy. No, no, no. This is a 12-year-old, 11-year-old speaking like this. If this is not a heightened level of infection, then what you tell me what is? And the way to answer that is not only through ilm. Yes, some of them, some people genuinely don't have knowledge or confused. Those are people you can treat. 
But those people who've been there, done that, studied all the stuff, and then say things like this, the treatment has to be lots of dhikr and dua. Now someone will say, Bhai, kithna kareham? How much? Allah forbid if your daughter or son gets diagnosed with some, st- some advanced stage of cancer, what are you going to say? But I took treatment for three weeks. Abu, what else are you going to do? Choro, yaar. Let him die. Is that what you're going to say? You will put your house on the market. You will sell it to pay for the medical bills. You will move to any part of the country. You will go to any type of secondary type of treatment, secondary type of you know, non-traditional medicine if the, non- if the traditional medicine isn't working. You'll do anything and everything possible to save your, your little prince and princess. And if they die... Inshallah, they'll die as a shaheed in that sickness with all their sins forgiven. But what will happen in this case if this, die, if this person dies with this kufr? They will become the, the subhanallah, the, the, the fuel of jahannam for what? Eternity. Eternity. Even if you make up to paradise, how will it be when you know your own son, your own flesh, your own daughter is in, in hell burning forever for eternity? Who can watch their son and daughter get a second degree, first degree, third degree burn? Who can, who can watch that purposely? How can we watch our kids fall into Jahannam. Brothers and sisters, fathers, do something about this. Be focused. It's not easy. It might not, it might not happen three weeks or two weeks. Allah wills, it may happen. But it might, if, even if it takes you four months, six months, eight months, one year, do what you gotta do. This should be your focus. Don't sit there. You have no time for parties. You have no time for weddings. You have no time for all this other nonsense. You, right now, you don't have time to do anything but to work on saving your drowning son and daughter. That should be your focus. That every day, I got to do my two, three hours of adhkar, ad'ya, again, after consulting your scholar, what should be done in this case. And inshallah, once that, when that homework gets done, then you do whatever you want. Someone who's got the MCAT due in one month. What does he does? That's all he cares. He eats and he drinks, goes to the bathroom, shower for the basic necessities. But he will not be sitting, watching him attending parties. His dad, even mom, won't even allow him to attend a party. His focus will be his exam. That is exactly what you call, subhanallah, what we are seeing right now. Thus we do cause to settle in the wombs of their mothers. Whatever unborns, we so will for a stated term. And after that, if Allah wills, a miscarriage will happen. And then if Allah wills, a, child, a healthy child will be born. Then we bring you forth as children. So that you may thereafter reach full maturity. What is this full maturity? At the age of 40. You reach your full maturity. Maturity at the age of 40. This is when the prophets get their nubuwa. And now, you forget that there was an era that every little joke would make you laugh. Every little incident would make you cry. You could be appeased by anyone. You could be bought by anyone. You're a little kid. You trip and fall so easily. We forget that that was our, uh, that was our childhood. But now, alhamdulillah, you've reached this amazing peak of your... Uh, you know, peak of your uh, age. Now it's time to work. And guess what? Some people at this age also are not, they, they waste their time. Just today I came across something beautiful I shared with the students is um, that um, 30th May, 1886, which is 30th May is today. 30th May, 1886, Darul Ulum was founded. Okay, but the people who founded it, Look at the six, six names are mentioned here. Mawlana Zulfiqar Ali Rahimullah, 45 years old. Mawlana Fadl Rahman Rahimullah, 35 years old. Mawlana Muhammad Qasim Nanadwi, 34. Mawlana Muhammad Yaqub Nanadwi, 33. Mawlana Haji Muhammad Abid Rahimullah, 32. Mawlana Muhammad Rafi'uddin, 30. 
Besides one who's 45, one of Dhulfiqar Ali, everyone is 35 and below. Can you imagine that? The benefits of which we're reaping right now sitting in this dars. One of the most amazing movements, educational institution that has changed the face of this world. Subhanallah. Started by who? By people who haven't reached 40. So if you are 30 right now, if you're 25, you're 30, 35, this is, this is when we're supposed, this is the time to act. This is the time to go full motion. We can't sit there wasting our time playing video games. Shame, 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 shame on men and women who at the age of 30 are sitting there playing video games in their basements or on their phones now. You don't have to even go to your dad's basement. You sit there on the phone, play in the masjid while the dars is happening. What? Video games, mobile games. This is, this is the time to work. This is the time to do something, to leave a legacy, to, wor- to worship Allah, to establish the deen. There are those who die young. They are barely able to go beyond 40, they pass away. And then there are those who live beyond and healthy lives, and then they, they pass away at, say, in the ages of, at healthy times. There are those then who <clears throat> are reduced by old age to the most abject state of life. Ardal comes from the word ravil, most lowly. This is that old age, senile age, where a person cannot take care of his own bathroom, cannot take care of his own food. He, uh, he is regarded as a burden on his family. And he, he swears at people around him. He forgets those people around him. You know, he's very difficult to deal with. Everyone he has to complain about, uh, never happy. May Allah protect us from that. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's why I said, Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you. I seek refuge in you from being pushed towards Ardal al-Umr. It is, it is, we should ask Allah to grant us a beautiful, long, healthy life and then also grant us death when our intelligence is in its place. Because we don't want to leave behind, leave a legacy where people don't remember us fondly. We want to leave this world in time when people, subhanAllah, regard us as a rahmah, not as a zahmah. Regard it as a blessing, not as a burden. And there are some hadith, although there are some weak in, in, in authenticity, uh, but there are definitely still sayings that the one who memorizes the Qur'an and who retains it, the one who, who becomes a student of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save him from that stage of life. And we, all of us who have witnessed ulama in their 90s, any of you who have seen a scholar in 90 years old, you've seen anyone, 85, 90 years old, you will never see this type of business they're doing. At the age of 90, 95, they're standing up and praying, they're giving fatwas, they're walking, right? They are, mashallah, ta'ala, super sharp, because they spent their whole life reading and memorizing and teaching Quran and Hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects this faculty of theirs. I have witnessed many elders in their 90s and the late 80s and beyond, some even beyond 100. MashaAllah. But perfect, clear, you know, in a way they, they understand and they articulate. And many times, maybe they're weak, they can't articulate, but at least they, they will never be saying anything. Allah will protect them from cursing at people. Allah will protect them from getting mad at people. Allah will protect them from finding fault in people because they spent their youthful years in the best, doing the best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow their final years to also remain the very best. Where they will be carried like a beautiful, what you call, uh, uh, honorable plaque. People will just want to touch it. People want to just see it. Subhanallah. Because they ran around working and serving the people. Now the people will come and literally will say, can I just have one glance? Allah will give them honor. They will not be regarded as a burden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them great, great, great honor because of this. Subhanallah. Right? So this is something we should do right now. You are young, you and I, are, we have health. 
We need to spend it doing the work of deen, memorizing the Quran, teaching Quran, memorizing hadith, teaching hadith, memorizing some, doing, using our intellectual capacity to do some deeny work, basically. Do use your intellectual capacity to do some deeny work. And then you'll see, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save us from this. Because you see people who are very haughty, very arrogant, very wealthy, they used to scream out of people, and now they're in this unbelievable, sad, abject state of, 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 of being a burden on their family. Everyone is like, oh my God, this is horrible. When is this person going to pass away? I know people like this. They had a very ty- rough type of you know, tongue. They were very arrogant, very demanding. Uh, didn't, didn't follow the deen much. And subhanAllah, in front of everyone, this is their state. Now may Allah forgive them, but if the people who are around them also don't repent and continue the actions of their elders, then how sad. If you see someone in that state, wake up and say, I don't want this to happen to me. And so that's why stop being arrogant with people. Stop being difficult with people. Be soft, be easygoing, be, be approachable, be kind, be loving. And practice on your deen so that we don't be punished in this manner, in this very world where our own children and our own spouse are waiting for us to die. La ilaha illallah, may Allah protect us. What is that state of, of abject, uh, you know, abject state of life? Is one after having had some knowledge will know now know nothing. You're, a person was a very haughty scientist and now he doesn't know his name. A very haughty professor of medicine and now he doesn't know how to come back to his house. He's lost. How many times you've seen this in back home? Maybe here too, of course. Where people had this level of arrogance when they were young. And now at the last final years of their life, they're spent in miserable state. And even so, do you see the earth lifeless? What is Allah speaking about here? Allah is saying that I am so capable of bringing a drop of sperm to where it is today. You think I can't bring you back to life? This is what this whole ayah is about. So long ayah is just telling you the proofs, logical proofs of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more than capable to give you and I life again on the day of judgment and hold us accountable for what we did. That's one proof is done. The state of the formation of the child. Next, next proof. And even do you see the earth lifeless? How was, our earth, how was the land around us in February, March, January? Lifeless, nothing growing. But when sent down upon it water of the spring, it is quivering, swelling. Riba means to grow. See, rabat, the, gr- the grass is growing, the grass is swelling, the vegetation and the flowers are, are and, the, and the vegetables and the corn stalks are quivering. And it grows every delightful variety of plant life. Right? All of this is happening because of the season is changing. So just like a lifeless earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought it back. How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not, is He not capable of bringing you and I back to life? And this is the second proof that Allah Azza wa Jal has mentioned in this beautiful long verse. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant you and I the deep understanding of what was covered today. Grant us yaqeen of what was covered today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us complete, complete conviction in the life of the hereafter. And allow us to prepare and live our life as though tomorrow or today may be our last. Allow us to spend every night as though it may be our last, every day as though it may be our last. May Allah protect us from the evil effects of nafs and shaitan. May Allah Azza wa Jal guide all those people who have been lost. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being uh, misguided as well and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us in this era to make the right decisions for the tarbiyah of our children ameen rabbil alameen if you have any questions inshallah please uh, go to slido.com and use our code 272 we'll take questions for about 6-7 six, uh, six, minutes and inshallah we'll do um, dhikr for a few minutes before we conclude
272-7514 inshallah is the questions additionally don't forget that in just if you, uh, you, uh, two weeks from now June 16th weekend which is Saturday June 17th will be our annual graduation of the one year Tanweer intensive boys and girls Alhamdulillah we have our largest batch of boys and girls graduating as long with that our HEF students are graduating and then so please attend it will be very uh, motivational for you and your children June 18th on Saturday, Sunday will be the graduation of 24 students from the 7 year Sharia Alima Ain Alim program that would be also a very motivational and uh, blessed occasion to witness uh, ulama graduating from here so please mark your calendars right now that's June 17th and 18th weekend inshallah Saturday and Sunday is the one year graduation and the Bukhari graduation and then two days after that June 20th on Tuesday will be the beginning of our summer programs Tarbiyah for Tots Islamic Studies and Quran and, and uh, intensive with, with the gym with basketball for kids boys and girls uh, morning session AM session we have PM session we have multiple sessions of that plus for college students who are here you want to spend your summer in a productive manner I encourage you please uh, you know come join our Dean intensive it's, it's going to be it's uh, going to be a one week one month long great way to spend your summer you will have more than ample time to still go for vacation spend time wherever you want uh, colleges are not going to start until early September so you have three months two and a half months out of that you surely can give four weeks to learn your Dean and to become confident in your Dean so we don't become a mess so I encourage all the boys and girls who are listening to me and the moms and dads who have college-age students or high, seniors in high school, please consider, strongly consider benefiting from our Deen Intensive program, inshallah, this year. Even if you take it the Deen Intensive in the past, every year we have different teachers and different courses. So all the details are on our website. Different courses, different uh, teachers. It will be uh, an amazing experience, inshallah, tabarakwa ta'ala. Uh, what, uh, what advice would you give to teens who are addicted to TikTok and YouTube shorts? They are very addictive and it's hard to quit since it's so accessible. Um, the, uh, you know, you, the, the, way to, the way to deal with this addiction is to acknowledge the addiction. Now, I don't know if you are a parent who's asking this or you're, or, or you're a youngster who's an addict yourself. So, um, so if you, as long as a person understands that this is an addiction, that is, um, you know, uh, that is a huge achievement. Number two, uh, num number two is um, is once you acknowledge that, ask for help. Go to your sibling, go to your parent, come to the imam of the masjid. Someone say, man, I am an addict of this. Can you please help me? We have to go put on a password. So uh, we have to delete like uh, these YouTube shorts. I'll be honest, this thing I didn't know where they came from. I guess I don't have TikTok, but YouTube. Of course, our talks are in there, this, that. YouTube shorts started coming about out of nowhere. I don't know when it started. Six months ago, a year ago, Allahu Alam. Of course, they wanted, the, they wanted the share of the TikTok market. That's why they took that over. And I was like, how do you get rid of it? Because you can't stop it. It's just there right in front. Every single time you go to anything, it's there. And I Googled online, and it gave you three ways. And basically, it worked for me. But there it says, if it doesn't work this, try this, try this. But I had to basically go and remove the latest um, update and have an earlier version of YouTube. And now that doesn't show on my phone. But just to give you an example, you really need to make an effort to remove those shorts from your phone. As well as, of course, TikTok. Um, just deleting the app, and then you're going to download it right there tomorrow. Well, then go to someone and say, can you please type in a password and, on, Google, on, on Google Play or Apple Play and, and you know, whatever, um, the other Google Store. Apple Store and Google Play, put in the password so then I don't sit there and download these things again. And then third thing, of course, is the athkar that the sevens, inshallah, do that regularly with the intention of getting rid of this addiction.
How do you best build the love of deen in someone that is fed up with Islam and has little motivation to read Quran and pray anything beyond what is necessary? I spent a lot speaking about this. I really, if you just go listen back to what I said, I think inshallah you'll get, the, you'll get, you'll get it. I just start, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't keep on saying to, to do this, to say do the dhikr that I mentioned and then just have nice conversations at the masjid. You want to bring your cup of coffee and drink in the masjid, right? Just make them accustomed to sitting with Muslims, right? Just being comfortable with spending time with practicing Muslims. Spending time with practical Muslims. If you have a dinner, you have a dinner over it with your, you know, a barbecue, whatever. Bring some people who practice the deen to your home. And say, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a barbecue with people. We're going to pray salat together, whatnot. Just for them to see the people who are practicing Islam, practicing deen, they also, they have a normal life as well. And they can play basketball with you. Or they can, you know, do whatever, some, some other thing that you're interested in. Bringing, bringing that uh, together, inshallah, I think that will help. Along with the dhikr. Um, how to bring older family members back to Allah. Today you spoke about younger kids. What about those who are adults and have little interest? Uh, very good question. Older people as well. Um, it's tough, definitely. But see, I think for them as well, just don't speak about things that antagonize them. Don't speak about things that are controversial. Let's just focus on the basics. Most people, I've seen some, you know, you know just dhikr is a very important, easy one. You hear tyrants in the world do dhikr. <laughs> right? Maybe not with the right intention. They're not focusing on it. Dhikr of Allah, listening to the dhikr of Allah, doing the dhikr of Allah, even for elders, is very nice. I don't want to pray. Okay, don't pray. Start off with doing La ilaha illallah 100 times a day. Start off with doing istighfar 100 times a day. Start off with listening to the dhikr of Allah. You can do that. Start off with listening to the Quran. So simple, basic things like this, inshaAllah, will hopefully um, help our elders. And if we can bring them out for Jummah, bring them out for something or another, in a Ruhani environment, they will benefit. Are men allowed to pray wearing half-sleeve clothing? Yes, they are allowed to play, pray. It is valid. It might not be the best etiquette, um, but uh, in some, some books mentioned as makru, but it's still valid. The main thing is that it has to be, you know, uh, don't make it habit. Try your best. The Quran says, beautify yourself before you pray. So try to wear, whenever you pray, Salah, try your, try your best to wear formal clothes, right? Uh, that would be the best thing. What is the methods for the seven dhikrs? Look at the uh, uh, online, you'll find it. Just this past, go to the no tech, this past weekend's retreat and spe- look for the talk that I gave on uh, guarding the gaze. What was it called? Um, uh, screens? Was it? Obscene scenes. Huh? But isn't the full thing up- not uploaded yet? Okay. Yeah, the full thing is uploaded, so you can find it there. Um, inshallah, and you'll hopefully. Should you skip Yasin? No, you should read Yasin and that as well, both. Um, It, should we, are we allowed to lean back on our left palm while sitting? I've seen a hadith against it. Yes, you're right. There is a hadith mentions against it because this is a way an arrogant person sits. Sit back and eat. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to eat with utmost humility and humbleness. If someone is in pain or has got some problem, that's a different thing. Is it haram to have liking for something which is bad but not to drink, for example, like alcohol? If that is coming to you naturally, then it's not your fault. Just work, you say, you to make this dua. Allah mahabib ilayna al-iman wa zayinu fi qulubina wa karrahi ilayna al-kufra wal-fusuqa wal-asiyan. Oh Allah, make iman. Allah mahabib ilayna al-iman. Oh Allah, make iman beloved to me. Allah mahabib ilayna al-iman. 
and make it beautiful in my heart. Make is iman beautiful, adorn it in my heart. and al kufra. Allah make kufr and disbelief repugnant to me. Walfusuka, you know, fisk, open sins, major sins. Walasyan and any level of disobedience, make it repugnant in my heart. This is such an important dua, such an important dua. You have to ask Allah to make you hate sin. So it's not sufficient to say, I don't drink, but I don't mind sitting with people who drink. That means you don't hate it. How could you sit there and watch people drink? You say, I don't do this haram, but I have friends who do it, and I sit with them. No, you can't. If you have friends who do it, when you're not watching, that's a different thing. But if they're sitting in front of you doing something haram, that's not right. That means our hatred for sin is not, um, not enough. How much do we emphasize Islamic dress coding in young children, five and under? As much as you can, from the youngest age possible to create an Islamic identity, you have to do that. If someone is a habit of eating with his left hand, all of a sudden at the age of 12, you want to sh- shift it. How is that going to work? Even if someone's left-handed, if you train them, they will learn how to eat with their right. Even if you're left-handed. So, from dressing in a, in, a, in a modest manner, dressing in a modest manner, loose clothing, not showing too much skin, etc. These things should be at the youngest age as possible. Is, it, is the desire to avoid a good action out of the fear from Riyah from Shaitan? Yes, it is. You should do all good deeds. And if you feel like Riyah is coming in, say, A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajeem. Ya Allah, I'm doing this for you. Shaitan says, no, you're not. And say, I don't care what you said. I'm doing it for you. And just move on. I've quit a bad habit that I've been addicted to for eight years. And I'm seeing more tests come into the life and it's overwhelming. May Allah give you strength. May Allah allow you to overcome these tests. Uh, these, these might just be retaliations. That's what it is. So the way you overcame those addictions, continue to overcome this, stay steadfast. And these, inshallah, I mentioned to you, you're maybe entering the business class door. You know? So don't run away from it. Sabr. Be patient. How should we deal with siblings who blame their distance from the deen to psychological problems and they believe that nothing in deen can help them? It depends. If someone is schizophrenic, well then, you know, they might be excused. Right? So it depends. on What psychological problem? Someone says, no, my, t- you know, uh, my teacher hit me when I was, you know, this is a common thing. When I was memorizing Quran, Ustad Sahib hit me, so I'm going to be an atheist right now. Please, look, go read what's happening in the whole Muslim world. How they're getting bombarded from top to bomb with chemical weapons, from drones, napalm bombs, right? Strikes, drone strikes, uh, starvation uh, forced upon them. And find me atheist amongst those people. What type of nonsense is this to say, oh, someone, subhanAllah, treated me a little ill, so that's why I'm going to leave Islam. This is arrogance. This is not right. What they, am I saying that someone, if someone did something wrong to you, that, that wrong is right? No. If they did wrong to you, that wrong is wrong. But how can you make that as an excuse to say, I'm going to leave Islam? What, what is that, what is that, how does that make you, how does that allow it in any way? If they were a bad representation of a Muslim hitting you, for example, or cursing you out, then you're being a worse representation of a Muslim by saying, I'm an ex-Muslim. How to convince parents to let their child attend the Tanweer Intensive or any other program? You know, it requires like a whole paradigm shift. Like what is it? What do you care about? Like, you know, I, what do you care about? The reason people, many parents don't encourage their kids to study deen is because they simply don't know what will happen if they don't study the deen. They don't know the harms of the real world. Or they don't care. If they don't care, may Allah guide them. If they don't know, then you need to educate them. The, what the world is out there. How horrible of places. Like kids all the time come talk about, I want to get married at the age of 20. I'm 22. I want to get married, 23. My mom and dad are not allowing me. 
And it's just like the reason they're not allowing you is because they don't know how bad is it. If any parent had the slightest idea how difficult it is to remain staying away from haram in college, you know, then they would, they would encourage you, they would push you to say, son, daughter, this summer, khalas, we're going to get you married. The reason they say stuff like that, 26, 27, 28, because they don't know, they don't know uh, that the harms out there. So trying to encourage, to inform these parents of what's out there, being very open, like I, you know, to explain to them what's the ummah involved in. You know, maybe they don't have TikTok and Instagram. Khalas, here, let me just, just take a look. Just take a look. This is where I go to school. These are all my classmates. These are my group of friends from the community. Their dads are your friend. Their mom is your friend. Just look. I'm not bringing stuff from the bedroom. This is what they do online. This is what they're proudly showcasing online. You want this to happen to me? Simple as that. If you see, if you're young and you see an elder doing something wrong, how do you tell them respectfully not to do that? Well, it depends on what wrong is it. If it's, it's a serious issue, then maybe you can leave a note. You can send a message from someone else. Um, and, and do it, of course, in a respectful manner. If it must be corrected. Yes, sometimes it is meant to be correct. Or tell another elder to, to let them know. Why is it so hard to find truthful people today? Because that's what Rasul Summit already told us, that as you come to the closer to the Day of Judgment, honesty will be out. And it will be so hard that there will be people, in order to go find an honest man, people will travel to a certain town to go witness an honest man. Because that's how rare it will be. That did you go, you go see you, uh, such and such museum and such place? Well, let's go see an honest person. It's, uh, these are all the various shaitani things that are happening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us istiqama and unsteadfast. Uh, if, uh, if anything was said correctly, it's from Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah knows best. Um, and if you know the rest of the questions, come back next week, inshallah, and re ask them, and hopefully we'll get to them. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdik, and shadu alla ilaha illa, and astaghfiru kum natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, inshallah, the adhan will be given now. Oh, yes, there is a Hajj workshop this Saturday after Salatul Dhuhr. Hajj workshop, please spread the word for all those who are going for Hajj this year, this Saturday, 1 30 after Salatul Dhuhr, inshallah.